Welcome to Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian in Charleston, South Carolina. This is episode number five. My name is Gabriel Williams, and I'm here with Ross Hodges and John Payne. So, brothers, how's it going? It's going well. It's yeah. going well. We got a got a big summer coming up, don't we? Yeah, we do. We've got a lot of things on the church calendar. So, you members out there, uh, keep uh, keep in mind that we have VBS coming up in July. We've got a new members class starting here in just a, a few weeks in early June. We've got uh, fellowship meals. We've got ball game outings. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on. It's a lot of fun things coming up here throughout the summer. So one of the things we also have that Ross mentioned is that we have a lot of new members coming in. And so one of the things we want to talk about uh, today is let's talk a little bit about church membership because we know there's a lot of people here who may have joined the church for the first time in their lives. There may be a lot of people who haven't been a member in a long time. So let's just open it up here. So, John, could you talk a little bit about just why do we care about church membership? Well, church membership is really at the core of the Christian life, isn't it? And a lot of people wouldn't think of it that way. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've mentioned on other episodes uh, that there's kind of this autonomous, lone ranger uh, attitude uh, towards the Christian life, Mm -hmm. that really all I need uh, are me, uh, uh, Jesus, and my Bible. And uh, Mm -hmm. uh, anything in addition to that is just icing on the cake. Uh, That really is an unbiblical view though isn't it that the entire bible assumes mm-hmm. that you will be if you are god's child that you will be a member of his people Amen. a right. member of the visible people of god the visible church and so to say that you are a follower of jesus christ and yet not identify mm. with the church that for which Christ died, that which Christ himself instituted. Some people say, I don't like the institution of the church. I'm against the institution of the church. And my response is always, but Jesus instituted it. That's right. If he's your Lord, then how could you say that you could flourish spiritually outside of the confines of a biblical church? So the New Testament assumes uh, that every follower of Jesus Christ will be a vital member of the body of Christ using their spiritual gifts within the body and also under the authority of called, trained, ordained, gifted Mm -hmm. elders who are called to shepherd the flock of God. In fact, we read in Ephesians chapter 4, and he, that is God, gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers, why? to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, Mm -hmm. to the measure of the state of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather speaking the truth in love, We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint which with it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Now think about all of the theology Mm. packed into these few verses. It It is clearly making the point that God gave ministers to the church 
in order to equip the church so that the church would mature and grow and those church members together are building one another up in love there is absolutely no sense in which uh, the Bible teaches that a Christian can can grow and flourish outside of the church. Isn't that right, Ron? That's right, yeah. I remember in seminary, one of my professors, I think this was a church history class, quoted one of the church fathers. I forget which one it is, but he the Latin phrase was extra ecclesium nulla salus est. Cyprian. Is that Cyprian? Cyprian. Okay, mm-hmm. so in the translation there being um, outside of the church, there is no salvation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, we know that that Christ, uh, it is in Christ that we are saved and the Holy Spirit works salvation in the hearts. It's not a matter of a priest speaking words or something like that. But the point being that the church is God's instrument of salvation and redemption and sanctification upon earth. And as the point that you just made, John, is that Jesus gave us the church. And the language of Paul here is that the church is his body. It's the body of Christ. He is the head and you cannot live if you are separated from the body. If someone mm-hmm. cuts off uh, my finger, then my finger will not live mm-hmm. apart from my body. Indeed, in, in 1 Peter chapter 5, again, Peter writing to the churches in Asia Minor, he exhorts in chapter 5, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1, So I exhort the elders among you. So there are elders <laughs> in these churches that are carrying out a role. Now listen to what it says. As a, he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So what is this assuming? It's assuming that there are under shepherds mm-hmm. serving under the chief shepherd, the Lord Jesus Christ, carrying out the ministry that Christ gave them to do for the benefit of the flock. Amen. In no way, shape, or form uh, can anyone say that they want to follow the scriptures, that they want to be a biblical Christian and be separated from the life of the church. Amen. Let's just ask it. This is a very simple sort of concept here. But where I grew up, uh, one of the phrases that we heard all the time is that it takes a village to raise a child. Mm. And we can apply that in a very general sense that mm. we just like we wouldn't let a child be born and have them have no family around them whatsoever. Mm. We would not let we should not let a child get born into the Christian faith, meaning born again and just leave them alone. That's right. It is not natural for that to occur. And there's something else more fundamental. And I think this goes to kind of answering the question of how does a Christian persevere? And so Mm -hmm. the reality is that we can pretend that we have all the equipment within ourselves. We can encourage ourselves. We can strengthen ourselves. We can pretend that's the case. But if we would look at ourselves in our own walk, there are many times when we are just simply discouraged. There are many times that we need the actual strength of brothers around us. And what actually God has done in just the brilliance of his redemptive purposes Mm. is that he has given us a church so that we all would persevere to the end. We are not meant to walk alone because walking alone almost guarantees that we probably won't finish what we started. 
Hey man, it's quite arrogant, isn't it, Amen. to think that uh, you can be a Christian outside of the body of Christ and persevere. Right. Yeah, that, I mean, that goes back to the body metaphor that is used in the New Testament. Yes. Because mm -hmm. you cannot survive apart from the rest of the body. Mm -hmm. you, you, The eye needs the ear, and the ear needs the finger, and the finger needs the toe. It, they, It's a completely connected entity, and so there's unity uh, while there's still distinction between the parts, between mm -hmm. the members. I remember a, a, a skit that was done in Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Clemson, and I always remember this. It was uh, about nine or ten students standing up front, and they were chanting this, we are the body of Christ, the body of Christ, and then one would step out and say, uh, uh, I am the foot, and everybody would start complaining and saying, well, you stink. Uh, feet are stinky. We want you to get out of here. And so they, they push him out, and all of a sudden that body doesn't have a foot, and so they're, they're stumbling. Now the rest of the group stumbling around because they don't have the feet. And then the, and then the, and then the eyes go out, and they say, we don't want you eyes. You're bloodshot, and you've got stuff coming out of them. We want you to, to leave. And so the eye mm -hmm. leaves, and then, then they're all blind. and they're, mm -hmm. So they're stumbling and blinded. Yeah. And really that's a, 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 it's a humorous but, but a great a illustration, illustration, isn't it, that point. we need one another. Uh, right. We need the means of grace. Now, some would uh, make the case that the New Testament doesn't teach anything about formal church membership. Uh, what would we say to that? We'd say that's incorrect. <laughs> Thanks, Ross. Very much. Let's move on. <laughs> it's incorrect because the evidence that we see all over the New Testament, the teaching that we see, is there is the assumption of something that is that is visible, that is accountable. And that's really yes. the issue here, isn't it? It's accountability and um, the the connection to the church that is more than just. Uh, sort of showing up once in a while. Uh, we see even the passage you um, read just a moment ago from First Peter, there's an assumption that there is someone to shepherd, mm -hmm. that the shepherds have a flock of sheep to shepherd. They have to know who those people are. Yeah. Uh, we see uh, in, um, uh, let's see, it's First Corinthians 5, yes. where there's a man who is in sin, and it's gross sin, it's persistent, and they, they must put him out of the church. So he had to be in the church. So he had to be yeah. in the church. There had yeah. to be something that marked him in the church. We, we see that in, what is it, Acts um, 2, right? Yes. Where 3,000 souls were added, added to the to number the that day. And, mm -hmm. well, what were they added to? How were they added? Well, there, there had to be some way that visibly and uh, formally marked them out from the rest of the population around them. Yes, we don't walk around uh, disciplining people who aren't uh, members of Christ's church. We won't, someone who proclaims the name of Christ and is living in sin, we won't formally excommunicate them from Christ's church because they're not members they're not of Christ's church. church. Exactly. And they're not under our spiritual jurisdiction. And so whether it's Christ's church or another church, every Christian needs to be under the authority of a local church, mm -hmm. uh, a biblical church, mind you. I mean, some people, they feel burned, and they, they've been a part of a church where things weren't done properly, and maybe there was a harsh leader or right. shepherd or pastor, and so they've become burned. And I've heard that story a lot, and uh, some have, have basically written off the church. Mm -hmm. which, is, which is unfortunate, because the, what happens is they... they are a part of something that, like you say, burns them, and we would say probably an unfaithful church a lot of times. 
But then it's it's like somebody comes across a piece of counterfeit money and then decides never to use money again. That's a great point. <laughs> and so and it's, I'm, I'm stealing this from J.C. Ryle. Uh, he says something to the effect of, you know, just because there's counterfeit, don't don't forget that there's real out there as well. So you need to find the real and you need to be a part of it. Yes. And Gabriel, earlier we were talking before this episode and you had... Uh, mentioned the importance of the church protecting its mm -hmm. members from false teaching. Amen. And one of the things that, again, this is common not just to my generation, but to lots of people uh, outside of my generation, is the reality that we live in a world with false prophets. We live in a world in which not only within the church there are false teaching, but if you just look around the culture around us, there are all of these forces coming at us with not just philosophies that are contrary to the gospel, not just teachings, but there's a genuine pressure put upon Christians. Hmm. And the reality is, what makes you think by yourself that you are strong enough in yourself to withstand all of those forces? The reality yes. is that the church is that protection. Yes. It is the place where you run into safety here. Yes. And isn't it true that Christians go through ups and downs? Yeah, of course. Ebbs and flows of, of obedience even. Absolutely. And yeah. go through difficult times. You had mentioned that earlier. We need the church, every single one of us, so that when uh, a person starts wandering, mm -hmm. that we have people who love us, who will go after us, and shepherd our souls, and encourage us, and rebuke us. Open rebuke is better than hidden love. And, Amen. And so the church becomes this place of, uh, of spiritual nourishment mm -hmm. as Christ is preached through word and sacrament we are being driven to the cross mm -hmm. it's a place where our souls are being shepherded and we are being guided uh, through the, the thorny wilderness of this world uh, it's, a, it's a place where we have mutual encouragement and upbuilding uh, through fellowship on the Lord's Day through hospitality uh, through Bible studies during mm -hmm. the week. Uh, we've got about 15 guys that meet on Thursday mornings at the bakery, which is just such a blessing. Mm -hmm. And uh, and it's a place of protection, as we just mentioned. Absolutely. We need uh, people to look out for us and to, to let us know if we're walking in the wrong direction. That's right. And it, isn't this also why we have vows for the church? Because mm -hmm. th then there's a standard to which we are held. And just mm -hmm. just like our, our marriages, we, we take vows in our marriage, and that's because... There are ups and downs. There are good days and bad days. There are ebbs and flows in life. And if we take our vows seriously in marriage, it means that we're not leaving our spouse the first bad week or month that we have. Yes. And the same thing with the church, is that we, we take vows that the church then holds us accountable to. And we need to, uh, that, that's a point I think that is sorely missed a lot of times uh, these days. Yes, and we were speaking earlier about uh, an individual who, mentioned that they were leaving the church they weren't a member but they were moving on because the church wasn't working for them right. anymore mm -hmm. and the next question is what do you mean by that not working for you are we being unfaithful in our ministry of the word of god are we being unfaithful shepherds are no no it's just it's just not working for me it's this kind of subjective thing right. isn't it it's, well it's too often it's we we treat our church like we would our gym you know, we, mm. we, we move to an area, we get established in our job, we get established in our families, and then we start shopping for a church. And we look for a church that really fits our needs and our schedule, so, so we mm. think. And then we treat it with about as much commitment as we do our gym. We pay our dues in January after our uh, New Year's resolutions. We go for about two months, and then we get tired of it. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's a great, it's a great point. And 
what about those who will be getting new job offers and moving to a particular area that they're unsure of whether or not it has a good church? Is it a is it okay for a Christian to 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 unseat their family and to move to an area where they're unsure that now, there's not a good church? This is a very important question of priorities here. Because the typical American mindset is you have a job opportunity, it's a promotion, you'll be a fool not to take it. That's mm. the typical mentality. But a Christian has other priorities that are higher ranked than your job. The question is, will you be faithfully shepherded if you left your actual church? Mm. Are you moving to an area that actually has churches? And one of the things that we can say confidently is that if you are choosing a job over the actual church where you're supposed to be nourished, you are in disobedience. Mm. You are walking in rebellion to the church here. And the reality is that this is the sort of true commitment we need, that we don't want a church membership that simply says we signed a roll, we checked off, and we leave after the first service on Sunday. For true church membership, that means true godly commitment. It means you have put your entire life into the actual church. The church is a gift from God. Uh, the church is not meant to be uh, that which is overbearing or or harsh or, or over-authoritative. Mm -hmm. The church is a place where God shepherds his people, where he grows them, matures them, protects them, takes care of them. And so uh, really, uh, we, we want to have our understanding of the church changed. If we have had a bad experience in the past, uh, that's not the reason to never walk through the doors of a church again. It's, it's a reason to try to, to look for a good church. That's right. Yeah, we, we have to remember as Christians that the reason we have the church is because our God loves us Amen. and because he knows what is best for us, what we need. Mm -hmm. And so we, we should have this attitude that uh, we want all the blessing that God has freely given to us. And that, that really is uh, centrally located in the church. Amen. All right, well, this concludes this episode of Between the Times. I want to thank you for joining us.